It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 365 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called Delayed. It is June 24, 2022, and this is Jen. I'm going to start off with um, a fundraiser, actually, that Wowhead's doing, and they are raising money for the Trevor Project this month. It's you know Pride Month. It seems appropriate to do that. Each donation of $25 or more will allow you to grab this year's Wowhead Pride Pin as a free gift. The gift includes worldwide shipping where possible. Be sure to select the appropriate reward for your donation level. Now, they have currently, at the time I'm looking at their website, raised $18,406.66, but the fundraiser is ongoing, and they'd like to reach a $25,000 goal for the Trevor Project. So if you'd like to do that, the link will be in the show notes at ShatteredSoulstone.com, and you can check it out there. This article I'm going to read you is from Axios. It's actually from May, but it's kind of the background on what's going on now a little bit. So this is written by Stephen Totillo on May 2nd. Activision advises stockholders to vote against harassment report, right? You know, the one that Activision investigated Activision Blizzard and decided that Activision Blizzard was totally, you know, totally free. No, no problems here. No sexual harassment at all. No, none. That kind of thing. So... I'll read you a little bit of this. In May, Activision is recommending that its shareholders vote against a proposal from New York State that the company issue an annual report about abuse, harassment, and discrimination in its workplace. Why it matters, this is kind of how Axios does things in kind of like a little bullet point kind of thing. Why it matters, the proposal first made in February is a push for transparency about the wrongs at a scandal-wracked company. Such proposals often fail, but last year, Microsoft shareholders voted for a report over the objections of that company's board. The New York's proposed New York's proposed report would include the quote total number of pending sexual abuse, harassment or discrimination complaints the company is seeking to resolve, the amount of money Activision spent settling misconduct claims in the past 3 years, the number of pending misconduct complaints facing the company. There's a little bit more to it, but again everything will be in the show notes at shatteredsoulstone.com and an update on June 21st from Stephen Totillo on Axio it says Activision shareholders ignore board vote for misconduct report. So that one that we, I just mentioned from May, that's the one they're they're going for. It seems. I'll read you a little bit of this. Activision shareholders today voted for the company to issue an annual report about misconduct at the game maker. Why it matters? The non-binding vote signaled skepticism that the company was sufficiently transparent in its own disclosures about misconduct. You know when Activision Blizzard investigates Activision Blizzard and decides that Activision Blizzard is totally on the board, totally safe, no problems here. That's why the shareholders needed to step in, I think. That's not in the Axios article. That's just my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Activision's board had recommended a no vote regarding the report, saying it would divert, quote, energy and resources, end quote, better used to address worker concerns. 
there's some bullet points here. The company had said it was already committed to transparency. The affirmative vote echoed a similar revolt against Microsoft last year when stock owners of that company ignored their board's recommendation against issuing an annual sexual harassment report. Activision shareholders otherwise fell in line, approving Activision's board of directors and their pay. While following the board's advice to reject an AFL-CIO proposal to add an employee-voted member to its board of directors. So employees, sorry to say, Activision Blizzard's not going to let you have someone on the board that, like, represents you. You know, that kind of thing. That's not going to happen. But, you know, Microsoft is going to be acquiring, you know, Activision Blizzard King very soon. And it already said that it's not going to fight a union if workers want that, basically, in short. The annual misconduct report was proposed by New York State's Common Retirement Fund. It would include, quote, the, and I think I just read this part, the number of people, the number of pending sexual abuse, harassment, or discrimination complaints the company is seeking to resolve, how much money they spent on it, the number of pending ones. Yeah, that kind of thing. So there we go. Uh, the Washington Post has a little bit more details here, also written on June 21st. Activision Blizzard shareholders vote for public harassment report. Activision Blizzard shareholders approved a proposal from New York State Comptroller Thomas DiNapoli requesting that the company publicly report on its efforts to stop workplace discrimination and harassment during an annual meeting held Tuesday. DiNapoli's proposal, first raised in February, requested that Activision Blizzard share information, including compensation data, the company's total number of sexual harassment settlements, its progress around more quickly resolving harassment and abuse complaints, and total pending complaints. The vast majority of shareholders also approved the election of 10 directors to the board, despite a minority of shareholders advocating against the re-election of directors, including embattled CEO Bobby Kotick, as well as long-standing members Brian Kelly and Robert Morgado. Shareholders also voted to approve the company's executive compensation packages, with 88% voting yes. DiNapoli, the state comptroller, told the Washington Post in a statement, quote, shareholders' majority vote spoke loudly. Activision Blizzard needs to restore investor confidence and increase transparency on how it handles workplace harassment and discrimination. We expect swift action from the company on on our concerns. Last Thursday, the video game company released an update saying that after an internal investigation, it found, quote, no evidence to suggest that Activision Blizzard's senior executives ever intentionally ignored or attempted to downplay the instances of gender harassment that occurred and were reported, end quote. It also said investigators had not found any evidence that a senior executive or employee concealed information from the board of directors. The report affirmed that there were, quote, some substantiated instances of gender harassment, but cleared senior leadership and the board of directors from association with those incidents. Lucky them. Hmm. And it goes on from here. A proposal to nominate an employee representative to the board of directors, a request that was backed by organizing employees, was denied with only 5% of voting in favor. That right there is a huge red flag because that means that the board of directors has no interest in listening to any of the employees or what their needs are at all whatsoever. The, ma- the majority of them decided, nah, we can just let them suffer more. That's fine. At Tuesday's shareholders meeting, a recording from an employee at Activision-owned Raven Software was played, asking that an employee be ap- appointed to the board after being voted in democratically by non-leadership. Um, I think they're talking about the, yeah, 
I'm not sure if they're referring to Raven has a union now or if they're being, if this is in more general, you know, but anyway, the employee asked to help make the board more aware of employee concerns. Shareholders approving, approved the hiring of Pricewater, oh, PricewaterhouseCoopers as Activision's accounting firm with 96% voting yes. PricewaterhouseCoopers did not immediately return a request for comment. Shareholders didn't ask questions and the meeting concluded after roughly 20 minutes. So that's all the time they took on it and there you go. Mm -hmm. More shenanigans from Activision Blizzard King. We've got another article here from uh, Rock Paper Shotgun talking about pretty much the same thing. It says this was written by someone named CJ Wheeler on June 22. It's about the shareholders. Uh, I'll read you little bits of this. Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotek was successfully re-elected to the board of directors for another year as a result of the company's annual shareholder meeting yesterday. This was despite efforts by company employees and shareholders to oust Kotek, which began in November. You can read the outcomes of the meeting in full here. There's a link to that. I didn't put it into the show notes because it's going to be probably really long and probably kind of boring honestly. Activision Blizzard have also said they will carefully consider whether to go ahead with a proposed report into their efforts to address alleged workplace harassment within the organization after two thirds of attending shareholders voted to approve the suggestion. The vote was non-binding. Which means that Activision Blizzard doesn't have to act on it, which we all know means they're not going to do anything about it. The board of directors had advised shareholders last month not to approve of the proposed report and yet they voted on it they, they did it they didn't just roll over and say okay activision blizzard whatever you want you know they're trying at least um and it goes on a little bit from there but that's kind of the main points and then kotaku has the best headline of them all talking about this the headline is bobby kotek is staying on activision blizzard's board comma ew <laughs> that's their title <laughs> Um, and yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here, but you know, I just, the title I thought was pretty good. And I'm going to shift over here to, to Diablo Immortal and stuff going on that you may or may not have been aware of. Um, this article and the next one are from the South China Morning Post, which I, and it is my understanding that this is state-based media, meaning this is coming from possibly the government kind of thing. It isn't an independent site that can say whatever it wants. I don't know how much you could do in China like that, but in any case just keep that in mind. It's not um, unbiased. Okay. So this one was written on June 20 and it's titled NetEase delays highly anticipated release of Diablo Immortal in big setback for China's number two gaming company amid ongoing Weibo ban. I think that's how you say it. W-E-I-B-O? Weibo? I'm going to guess that's right. There's two little bullet points here. The company said it would indefinitely postpone the release of the China version of the game, citing a need to adjust and optimize it for Chinese players. A Weibo account for the game has been banned from posting for, quote, violation of relevant laws and regulations. This is written by, I'm going to say this wrong, but I'm going to try to get it as right as I can. Uh, Yao Ling Zhang in Shanghai. There's a picture here of a bunch of different Diablo Immortal characters trying to fight some big giant thing. So here we go. China's second largest video gaming company, NetEase, said it will indefinitely postpone the launch of Diablo Immortal, a highly anticipated installment of the 25-year-old Diablo franchise for gamers in mainland China. 
NetEase shares tumbled to 10% during the Monday morning session in Hong Kong following the announcement of the postponement on Sunday. NetEase said the game, which received a license in China as early as February and was slated to launch on June 23rd, is in need of adjustment and optimization to give better experiences to Chinese players. The decision came after the official account for the game was banned from posting on Weibo due to, quote, violation of relevant laws and regulations. There's more on that, but I don't think we'll find it in this article. An Asia-Pacific version of the game will launch on July 8 instead of the originally scheduled June 22. An international version debuted two weeks ago and has already generated around U.S. $24 million for the studio, according to AppMagic, a system-tracking gaming app performance. Okay. The company did not disclose a revised launch date for the Chinese version in a separate post on Sunday. Uh, It goes on a little bit from here. Uh, The official Weibo account of of the title, meaning the Diablo Immortal or Diablo account of the title on Weibo, you know, that, that one, specifically Blizzard, right? or Activision Blizzard, uh, it remains, quote, forbidden from posting, end quote, according to a tag on the platform as of the time of publishing this article I'm reading to you, when it's un- when it is unclear when or if new posts will be resumed. Weibo has not specified a precise reason for the ban. A prohibition on new posts is a relatively light punishment on Weibo compared to more serious sanctions, such as account cancellation. All existing posts, including the most recent one on June 6, can still be viewed. The video gaming company has been eagerly anticipating the game following a four-year wait since Blizzard Entertainment announced that it would produce a sequel for the internationally renowned Diablo franchise. Its original announcement caused a wave of controversy at the time because a PC version was not planned, though the company later said it would make versions for PC, iOS, and Android devices. And it kind of goes on from there. So there's another one. That was from June 23rd, and it's also on South China Morning Post, and this one's written by Tracy Q in Shanghai. China bans over 30 live streaming behaviors, demands qualifications to discuss law, finance, and medicine. There's two bullet points. The guideline published on Wednesday requires influencers to have relevant qualifications to discuss law, finance, and medicine. The rules also direct platforms to refrain from giving public figures who have shown, quote, no ethics, end quote, the opportunity to perform, which is interesting if you happen to be in China and you are streaming on Twitch. So here's a little bit from that that's something that i'm hoping won't happen here you know but here we go um so the article says china has issued new regulation on the live streaming industry that lists 31 banned behaviors raising the bar for influencers to talk about certain topics in the government's latest efforts to regulate the booming digital economy the 18 point guideline published by the national radio and television administration and the ministry of culture and tourism on Wednesday requires influencers to have relevant qualifications to discuss some topics such as law, finance, medicine, and education. Although authorities did not specify the qualifications needed, the 31 banned behaviors during live streaming sessions include publishing content that weakens or distorts the leadership of the Chinese Communist Party, the socialist system, or the country's reforms and opening up. 
Other prohibited behaviors include using deep fake technologies to tamper with the images of party or state leaders and deliberately, quote, hyping up, end quote, sensitive issues and attracting public attention. Live streamers are also forbidden from showing an extravagant lifestyle, such as displaying luxury products and cash, the guideline said. Now, I can't be sure of this, but this was posted after NetEase uh, delayed the Chinese version of Diablo Immortal. And we know that people outside of China, for sure, there were a few streamers that paid a whole bunch of money into the game to make a point or something. And maybe maybe China doesn't want Chinese streamers to do that. This is all speculation on my part. I'm just trying to, you know, piece it together in a way that might make sense to us. So, yeah. The new regulation comes as the live streaming e-commerce industry is undergoing rapid changes amid tightened scrutiny and economic headwinds. And there's some of the people listed in this article that have their streamers and, you know, stuff that's happened from, you know, on their end of things. Uh, Wednesday's new guidelines stress that live streamers should declare their income honestly and fulfill their tax obligations in accordance with the law. So maybe this is just a tax thing. I don't know, but it's just kind of like, okay, I guess that's what you're doing over there, China. And then we have Financial Times. This was the first one I saw, but, you know, I have it maybe out of order in here. So they have an article titled NetEase Shares Fall After Nationalist Backlash in China Over Winnie the Pooh Post. Why is this such a big deal over a Winnie the Pooh character that's like a little Disney thing now? There's a description here if you don't know the background on this. Financial Times wrote, Cartoon Bear is often used to criticize President Xi Jinping and has been blacklisted by censors. So that's why, you know, (laughs) that's what the problem is. Shares in NetEase dropped on Monday morning after the Chinese gaming company fell afoul of China's censors over a social media post that was suspected of alluding to Winnie the Pooh, a popular way to derisively refer to President Xi Jinping. The company said over the weekend that it would delay the Asian release of the blockbuster game Diablo Immortal, sending its Hong Kong-listed shares down 9% in the morning to HK $137 before they slightly paired losses by midday. Diablo Immortal, an online multiplayer action game developed by NetEase and Activision Blizzard, had been scheduled to launch in China on June 23rd. But on Sunday, Diablo Immortal said the release date would be pushed back to optimize the gaming experience. The delay came as a screenshot circulated online of a post published by the game's official account on Weibo, the popular Chinese microblogging site dated May 22, that read, Why hasn't the bear stepped down? The remark is interpreted as a reference to Xi, who is often illustrated as Disney's Winnie the Pooh. The cartoon bear has been blacklisted by censors in China for years, according to the uh, Financial Times. Diablo Immortal was banned from publishing new posts on Weibo, and discussions related to the bear comment were erased from the platform by the country's hypervigilant censors. Nationalists also took issue with the company's press release on Saturday from the game's creators announcing the postponement of the game's release date in the Asia-Pacific region to Taiwan time 8 July. China has vowed to crush any attempt to pursue independence. Quote, between the game and my country, I choose the latter, one Weibo user wrote. NetEase declined to comment, of course. Yeah, and this is just some of the things that they're doing with video game stuff. 
they've also, I'll read you a little bit of this. Uh, China's broad crackdown on technology companies has hit the gaming industry particularly hard. Authorities paused approvals for new games in July last year over concerns that the country's children were addicted to games that undermined Communist Party values. A month later, Chinese children were banned from playing video games for more than three hours a week under new rules that further damaged the share prices of companies, including NetEase and Tencent, and slowed their revenue growth. In August, state media described gaming as a form of spiritual opium yeah that'll be like the name of my new band or something spiritual opium Alrighty. so that's kind of where they're at with this and then we have from blizzard uh on may 26th we have an update on the post they posted before titled diablo immortal your roadmap to hell and here's the update We are delaying the launch of Diablo Immortal in the regions of Asia Pacific to July 7 PDT, having staggered a bunch of our debut mobile first game gave us an opportunity to learn and optimize between each phase. We believe that our players will benefit from optimization that would make the download and playing experience much smoother. Among the features we are working on are initial build package optimization, reshuffling the assets downloading sequence so relevant UI would populate properly to improve users experience in-game, Android device performance optimization, the install base of mobile devices in Asia-Pacific regions is very diverse. Using learnings from the first phase of our launch, we are performing additional compatibility tests to optimize the launch experience. PC experience improvements, including fixes to potion and skills lockout issues, auto-navigation, Demon Hunter primary attack, Xbox controller input delay, and more, and performance and network optimization improvements to deferred multi-lighting particle tech, bug fixes, and more. We appreciate your patience, and we will be providing each player in impacted regions with a package consisting of one piece of legendary gear, 100 scrap materials, and 10 enchanted dust. To claim these items, visit your in-game inbox after you have created your character and begin your journey into Sanctuary on July 7 PDT. But it sounds to me like with um, you know these previous articles that it's not like... I don't know, July 7? Is that what it was? It didn't say June, so maybe it's July 7 now that they're going to do that. I'm not really sure. It's an update to an older post, so I don't know. And then we have Kotaku, who wrote as a headline, Diablo Immortals China release delayed following social media silencing. The postponement comes after the official Weibo account was censored. So we know a little bit about that from what I just read to you. And so I'm going to read you a little more in here because they have some things that the other ones didn't have. You know, we know Diablo Immortal has the lowest ever score on Metacritic, and there's been 8 million downloads, 240, like, kajillion dollars in its first two weeks. I'm bad with numbers, but you get the idea. Um, you know, so here's here's the key parts of this particular article. While there is no official reason for the Weibo suspension, outlets are reporting that it could have to do with the official Diablo Immortal account making a reference to A.A. A. Milne's Winnie the Pooh. A peculiar sentence to type, but references to the cute little bear have come to be a popular way to be critical of China's delicate, honey-loving leader, Jinping, 
for an excellent primer on that matter. There's a video they'd like you to watch. A screenshot circulating around the internet purports to show the Blizzard account having sent a message that references the bear, with some, like the Financial Times, which I just read to you, translating it as, quote, why hasn't the bear stepped down? A contact of Kotaku's translates this line as, what do you think about the bear? But says it's written to be idiomatic. Either way, if real, it seems an extraordinary thing to have posted on an official account in the country. According to a press release on Blizzard, uh, posted on Blizzard's Chinese website, the reason for this very last-minute delay is needed to make a number of optimization adjustments to the game, translated by Google, including improving model rendering, support for a wider range of devices, and network and performance optimizations. The statement doesn't mention the social media incident at all. Of course, it's hard to take these comments entirely at face value, given the game's enormously successful launch everywhere else in the world a fortnight ago. It seems odd that the Blizzard and NetEase co-developed mobile game would have rendering issues that only affected China, for instance. It's easier to believe that it would be more difficult to successfully launch your pivotal product in the country while unable to access social media accounts and having just rather upset the government. We have, of course, reached out to NetEase, we being Kotaku, to ask about this and we'll update you should they reply. So what really happened? I don't know. I guess they're doing updates, right? And then I've got some videos that people did about Diablo Immortal and the first one is from June 16. I don't think I mentioned this one before. It's about a 20 minute video from Bellular News and in that one um, it's titled Yet More Diablo Immortal BS New Sneaky Pay to Win P2W and in this one they uh, both the guys in there talked about the tricks that are used to make players consider paying more money and then I guess there's like hidden currency caps that are kind of kept under wraps until you pay some money and then end up buying more i guess i don't know so there's that video there's a second video by bellular gaming titled diablo immortal just lost millions the infinite delay this is obviously referencing the delay in china about releasing diablo immortal and they're kind of responding to the news about that on june 18 rex Antarax posted a youtube video titled my final thoughts on diablo immortal it wasn't a very long video but it's very well done he literally writes down things that are key points as you know he's talking to his audience and um he's done a lot of things like he said he was one of the people that was in on all of the alpha and beta stuff i'm maybe not 100 percent correct about this but that's the kind of the idea i got from it and that he actually sent blizzard uh long critiques and ideas that would help them improve the game in various ways and apparently didn't get anything back. At the time that video was released on June 18, uh, Rex Antarax said that he was done with Diablo Immortal. He was going to go do a thing with uh, the Max Roll Warband clan. I'm not sure which because I haven't gotten that far yet in the game. And then that would be it. But now it looks like he's got a second video up from just 10 hours ago. And that one's titled Blizzard Responded to Me, which is interesting because I didn't think that was going to happen. And if you ever wondered just how long it would take to get a five-star gem from 
Diablo Immortal, someone made a $25 Rift simulator. I don't know who made it. It's on a website called dimi777github.io, and it's got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, like 10 crests, and um, you've got a couple of buttons you can you can click on. One of them says, waste $25. Uh, plus 800% extra value. And then there's another one that says calculate the cost of a 5.5 gem. So I'm going to hit the button and see what happens. And so I'm watching it scroll through. And my first attempt gave me three two-star gems and the rest were ones. I'll do it one more time. This is kind of, you know, you can't really get anything in game from this. Um, there's another one. And that one uh, is also two two-star gems and the rest are one. I'll go one more time here just to see what happens. But I've been watching people do this. And now I've still got two two-star gems and the rest are ones. So uh, apparently I've spent $75 in non-existent money at this point. Let's go for one more. Let's go for 100 and see what happens, right? Nothing's going to change. These are all one-stars. So this is an example. It's a simulator of, you know, what kind of gems you might get from a rift. Uh, using looks like legendary, I think they're legendary crests, um, purple ones, you know. So uh, I know there's two purple ones, but basically there's that. And some of the people that do videos played around with this just to see what would happen. But this is kind of telling in a lot of ways. Like, I'm already bored with it, but I think some people are probably going to, like, keep going just to see how long it would take them to get a five-star gem from this situation. And it really really kind of makes it clear that it's really difficult to get a five-star gem, even with those crests. And I don't know who the person is that got this going unless they go by DIMI777, but it exists if you want to play around with it. And again, it'll be in the show notes with everything else. A friend of mine named Belgast has a blog up and Belgast writes about all kinds of video games. He's got one from the uh, June 21st called Barrel Bomb Bonanza. Um, and he's talking about Diablo 3 and uh the build he's using with, I think it's a Crusader, possibly, and, you know, different stuff like that, completing Season 26, which I still need to do, but I'll get there, hopefully. And then he also talked about Diablo Immortal, and um, I'm going to read you a little piece of that blog. Uh, in other Diablo news, I continue to poke and prod at Diablo Immortal. The truth is, it is actually a really good game if you can somehow look past the monetization scheme. I've spent zero dollars, and I absolutely feel like I am at a lower power level than a good number of people in my level bracket. However, it doesn't seem to be really impacting what I could be doing right now. Sure, if I had some of them fancy legendary gems, I could probably be farming Hell 2 difficulty right now instead of Hell 1, but then again, I still need gear from Hell 1. This has been very much turned into... This has very much turned into a before-bedtime game for me as I fairly casually complete content and do bounties on my phone and using some kind of controller that he's using. But um, it runs pretty well on his phone, apparently. But that's kind of where that's at. There's another long blog here on MMORPG written by Robin Baird. And it's titled Diablo Immortal Review. So um, three weeks after it released, this is what it's about. And I cannot read you all of this in one show. So I'll just talk about the different parts that they focused on. So one is the gameplay. 
Yeah, I'll read you the first paragraph. This won't be a shock to anyone who read the review in progress a few weeks ago or the alpha preview last year. I love the gameplay of Diablo Immortal. The minute-to-minute gameplay is fun, and I did enjoy the storyline. It all follows a style very similar to Diablo 3, which is excellent for me. But plus, there are plenty of options to turn off and and on to customize your gameplay experience. Don't like having auto-navigation? Turn it off. Don't like clicking things to loot them? Turn on an auto-pickup for everything except legendary items. Those you have to loot actively. There's also a lot of flexibility in building out your character, not just how they look, but how they function in game. Um, This person likes to pick skills as needed kind of thing. And um, it talks about the salvaging stuff because the inventory isn't endless. So you do have to salvage stuff. I was sad to discover inventory isn't endless, which was a given considering that inventory expansion can be bought in the cash shop. I did not know that could happen. And so you have like a substandard one. So you're constantly trying to like salvage items and stuff like that. That's not necessarily great, but whatever. One downside regarding inventory space is by the time I reached level 47, I had six simple charms sitting in my bags, taking up space and I couldn't use any of them because they required level 56. A bunch of them were for other classes. So I wouldn't have been able to use them even after I reached level 56. I probably should have just destroyed them, but I thought once I reached the correct level, I'd be able to salvage them at that point. Um, Gearing up is straightforward. Um, All this kinds of stuff. Now, the monetization, uh, they stated some things here. I'm not going to read it all out, as I said, because it's very long, but it's, it's worth reading. Before I get started on this, I was to clarify that I have nothing against game companies making money off their games. I don't think everything should be free, and people should be well paid for their work. In the capitalist world we live in, that's just a reality we face. If games weren't big money, very few would get made, and they'd all be on the small scale. But, quote, there's a way to be a person, end quote, even when doing business. A lot of this threads very heavily on not being a person. The first stop on the monetization express is the legendary gems. These gems can only be placed in rare or higher gear and can be upgraded as the normal gems can. However, unlike normal gems, legendary gems have a star rating, 1 to 5, and many different effects that are added when socketing. These are very powerful, and there are only two guaranteed ways to get them. One is through the battle pass, the other is from the hilt merchant once a month. You can also equip one of uh, one of each type of gem, so getting a good collection of them is crucial and they can also be upgraded the same way everything else can be upgraded and then there's like crafting stuff and you know a comparison of what you get if you're doing the paid version of the essentially battle pass as i think of it and what you can get in the other one you know the regular one where you don't pay any money uh seeing the fully implemented battle pass also threw me off a bit this writer says i was pretty shocked though i should have expected it to see both legendary gems and legendary crests available in the battle pass the free battle pass will get one legendary crest whereas the premium line will get a total of three the free line will get two legendary gems while the premium line will get seven legendary gems in total now the now in the current battle pass there are only two different gems on there which means the premium line gets some duplicates allowing players to rank up their gems more quickly and it kind of goes on from there um and then there's a conclusion to what they thought about all of this but it's it's pretty interesting i think i'm trying to include more bloggers if they have something that sounds relevant to the show Echo Hack, David Echo, on June 20th, wrote on Twitter, Our Dark Clan has arisen. We are the new immortals. And there's like a little video there that he posted. So that's kind of cool. And in addition, um, I think Scrappy Server got it too. And I have, uh, I seem to have lost that one, but they got it too. They were the immortals on their server. I think they're on different servers. I'm not sure. On 
June 18th, which was Father's Day in the United States, the Diablo account tweeted the source of Sanctuary's daddy issues. And it is a really interesting drawing of Anarius. Now, for those that don't know who that is, Anarius and Lilith got together with other angels and demons, created Sanctuary to hide out from the eternal war that was going on and had babies together angels and demons having babies and that's how you get the nephilim so that's kind of what the diablo account is playing against and eventually all of this caught up with them and anarius ended up being imprisoned in hell and being tortured and all of this kind of thing in and then uh if you if you follow the books written by Richard Knack, the trilogy, um, the Sin War trilogy from early on, that this uh, after this the angels wiped out the minds of all the people of all this stuff regarding the ones that had gotten extra power that were strong nephilim and all this other stuff, and they life just went on. The promise was that the angels and the demons were now going to leave this place alone forever, and the angels mostly did that, and then the demons went, oh yeah, sure, uh huh, and stayed on and formed a church and all this and and yeah you know that kind of thing so it's a really neat piece of art which you should take a look at and i'll put it in the show notes as well um speaking of diablo lore i have in the past done a podcast called jen's lore corner it started as like a little segment in the shattered Soulstone episodes and it eventually became its own thing now for the longest time i've been wanting to move it over to the shattered Soulstone account where it kind of belongs that's where it started right that's where it grew from so my husband who's really good at techie stuff that i don't know how to do uh sean moved all of the episodes that currently exist of jen's lore corner and it is on the shattered Soulstone website you can find it in this little box in the corner that has all the different things you could look at on ShatteredSoulStone.com. And I will be making more. I just need a little bit of time to do it, but I'm kind of excited to have it all in one place where people that really love the Diablo games and like the lore of it can check it out and see what they think. And I did one about Diablo 4 and Lilith right when that was first announced. And um, it is my understanding that I think that the... The guy in that that was um, kind of picking on the, the guy in the temple or whatever it was, um, and I I figured that was probably Rothma and Nineball thinks that was absolutely not Rothma. So we kind of disagree, but you know, it, at the time we didn't have a lot to go on, so whatever. But yeah, there is one of those episodes in the lore corner from back then there'll be more i know exactly what i want to do i just need the time to do it and a couple more things um speaking of monetization and stuff um this is actually about world of warcraft and it's on wowhead but it's titled pre-orders for world of warcraft dragonflight now available and this is basically what you can get there's a base edition there's a heroic edition and there's an epic edition so if you get the base edition, you get, uh, it includes a pre-purchase of World of Warcraft, Dragonflight, and the Drax pet as a pre-purchase bonus item. There are two little asterisks after that for some reason. Um, not sure why. And they've got the blue notes on it in here. So, so anyway, that's what the base edition gives you with whatever those asterisks are. Uh, the heroic edition includes everything in the base edition, plus the tangled Dreamweaver flying mount, the Mercastraza pet, and instant access to a Dragonflight level character boost to level 60 to get you ready for your adventure across the Dragon Isles. If you want the epic edition, it includes 
includes everything in the Heroic Edition plus 30 days of game time, the Time Walker's Hearthstone effect, the Diadem of the Spellkeeper's Head Slot Transmog, and the Wings of Awakening Backslot Transmog, which includes five color variants, one for each of the major dragon flights. So the basic st- the base edition is going to cost forty nine ninety nine, granting access to the expansion, the Drac Thier Evoker, and the Drax Battle Pet. The heroic is going to cost sixty nine ninety nine, uh, with all the stuff I said, and then the epic edition, if you want everything, is eighty nine ninety nine, and gives you thirty days of game time, an extra thirty days of game time. So that's kind of a thing. There's some blue notes in this post if you want to take a look at that. Um, see what that's about. And I mean, you know, this is a way to do monetization without having it pop up on your screen every couple minutes when you do something or hit a new level. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't think I've ever gone for a like epic edition or whatever, you know, of World of Warcraft, but Hey, if it's your thing, there you go. And that's pretty much all I have for now. I'll put the link to the, even though it'll be on the Shattered Soulstone website anyway, I'll put the link to the Lore Corner episodes um, in the show notes for this episode so you can at least find it if you want to listen to it. And uh, there'll be more. It's been quite some time since I actually posted anything. (laughs) So... (laughs) I'll have to like listen to the last or the the most recent one and be like, hmm, okay, I know where I wanted to go from there. And that's pretty much it. And I'll be closing out the show right now. You have been listening to episode 365 of The Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in-game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page, as well as at the Shattered Soulstone website. If you're not already part of the Shattered Soulstone Discord server and you're looking for a group to play with in Diablo Immortal, there's a couple of guys that have been, you know, longtime fans of the show and have been in the Discord and that... You know, play together regularly or as often as they can, and you might be able to hook up with them if they need more people in in whatever they're doing in Diablo Immortal. I don't yet have a clan or whatever on um, the Soulstone server, but I'll get there eventually. But if you want to like get in with people that know what they're doing more than me, you might want to talk to them a little bit in the Shattered Soulstone Discord. And that's all for now. Thank you for listening.